Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And welcome to the first of our Originals vs. Remake episodes. Um, if you weren't already aware, uh, we will be releasing these each month, at the end of the month, last Friday of the month. And it's basically, that's what it says on the tin, we will be battling it out between an original film and its remake. And as I'm sure many of you are aware, there's plenty of films to go through. Yeah, particularly within the horror genre, there was a influx during... Well, still going on now, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, it's... it's I mean, I'd say it's dying out, but it's not really. I mean... There's standouts. So you yeah. have standout original horror content, um, but that stands out so much because of... Of remakes, reboots, weird sequels that, you know, I don't know what they call them. Well, if anything, remakes have got better now. That's the sudden wave we've got of remakes at the moment is they're better um, than they used to be. I mean, look at Child's Play and Suspiria. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we're at a good place of remakes at the moment. Um, I still, I need to see, and this this is always the case, for remakes of horror films or you know any films is we need to see remakes of films that need remaking yeah. you know films with a great premise that didn't quite get it spot on the first time or you know in the case of child's play films that are ripe for uh modernizing yeah and the themes and the story can be brought bang up to date into 2020. We don't get many of them. No. And of course, we d- you do still get your bad remakes as well these days. I mean, Black Christmas, for example. Yeah, yeah. And that, for me, that, that was a film that didn't need It doesn't remaking. need remaking, no. It worked perfectly fine in the 70s. The themes still, you know, run true now. It's still a scary film, no matter what. Mm. You know, it just so happened to have been made in 1974, and they're all wearing weird clothes. Yeah. And no one calls on a mobile phone. No. <laughs> it's all on a landline. But it's still it's still a scary film, still a tense film. It didn't need remaking. No. And that's much like the subject of today's um, comparison. A Nightmare on Arm Street never needed remaking. No, it didn't. No. No. You know, it's, it, it's, I mean, let's just, we'll jump into the trivia of the original, because we're going to do trivia for both before we get into our comparisons. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street was released in 1984, directed by Wes Craven, uh, on a 1.8 million budget, but it made back way, way past that. It was very successful. Um, we were into the 25 millions. Uh, you know, it's so, it was so successful. Um, I think way more successful than they even imagined. And then with success comes sequels, and especially when you've got Bob Shea behind it. Uh, yeah. And do you know what? I can't even complain, because it's my favourite horror franchise of all time. I love all the sequels, even the shitty ones are entertaining. You know, it's it's a brilliant franchise. Um, and yeah, so, and, uh, again, some trivia. This film saved New Line from bankruptcy, um, which gained... New Line, the name, the house that Freddie built. Yeah, I, th- I think this was New Line Cinema's first major success. 
Yeah. Essentially. Um, I think I think what they, they used to do was release very small, culty films. Uh, I know that they released a lot of John Waters films. Um, was it Alone in the Dark? Alone in the Dark was, was before us. Yeah. For sort of foray into um, horror cinema. Uh, and that, you know, that's not exactly gone down as a, a cult classic. I've never watched it. No. But it's not really spoken about in the same sentence as Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween. So this was their first big hit. And it was a cultural phenomenon as well. Yeah. It was. It, it is an absolute pop culture explosion, mm. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, you've got, uh, obviously, all the sequels that churned out. It had... Um, how many sequels are we on now? So there was one to five, then there was Freddy's Dead, and then there was New Nightmare, and then even Freddy vs. Jason, the crossover of Friday the 13th. Yeah. And of course, the remake, which we'll be talking about shortly. Um, Freddy Krueger's in video games now. Um, yeah. You know, there's comic books, I believe. Uh, it, Freddy had his own hotline once that you could call he up. Did, yeah. Fucking toys. He had his own TV series. Video game. Uh, album. Yeah, which yeah, we own. Which um, you own. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, it blew up. It, it really did. And, you know, everybody knows who Freddy Krueger is. Yeah. It, you know, it's it's incredible. You, He's on the same... You know, he's on the same level of popularity as, say, the Marvel characters. You know, if anybody knows these people, you know you're a pop culture phenomenon when you can mention it to anybody, regardless of whether they're a horror fan or not a horror fan, and they'll know who it is. Yeah, they, they, they call it a household name. And, and yeah. what I tend to judge it by is, if I can imagine my mum, if I spoke about Freddy Krueger to my mum, she would know who I'm going on yeah. about. You know, and to me, that makes someone a you know a pop culture icon. The world's most loved child murderer. Yes. <laughs> uh, it was actually based on, partially based on a true story, um, based on some uh, a Southeast Asian refugee who died from horrific nightmares, and like they found a coffee machine in his wardrobe, I believe. Yeah. And... So they they were from I think prisoner of war camps yeah uh and they had some sort of form of uh, ptsd that kind of went undiagnosed and for i think there was a few of them um that this ptsd sort of created these really strong nightmares in the you know and that they kept having again and again and they believed that eventually that these nightmares would kill them uh, and I, th- I think maybe it was just the one that ended up dying in the end. Um, but essentially, you know, he he was scared to death of in his dream and yeah. his heart stopped. Uh, the way the story for this film comes together from that inspiration and from the ideas between the design of Freddy and his glove and uh, it's, it's so fascinating. Like, um, Freddy's... Ins- the inspiration behind Freddy was... Um, one of uh, you okay there? Yes, thank you. Was from one of uh, Wes Craven's childhood bullies, and um, that's where the name came from. Uh, he also used the same name for uh, partially the same name. He called a character Krug in uh, Last House on the Left. Yeah. Um, 
and who's obviously also a piece of shit in that film, so uh, he must have really hated this kid. And um, the look of Freddy was based on a homeless man who was staring at uh, Wes Craven through his window when he was 10 years old. And uh, he, he goes into quite a bit of detail on this on the uh, fantastic uh, Never Sleep Again documentary. Mm. Uh, and it, it sounds pretty scary. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great inspiration um, for this character. And the glove is actually based on primal fears embedded in the subconscious of uh, of all people and of all cultures because uh, one of the main uh, primal fears is animal claws. Oh, okay. Oh, Which wow. is it's so... That is... Uh, Wes Craven's a genius. I mean, he's released some shit, but... <laughs> He's one of those directors, when he gets it wrong, it's fucking terrible. But when he gets it right, it's a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. And I think Nightmare on Elm Street is one of those films where every single aspect of it came together so well. Yeah. Um, that you, you, that sort of... Um, oh, what am I thinking of? It doesn't strike twice. No. That sort of lightning doesn't strike twice. Excuse me. Uh, I'm trying to find my analogy there. Um, so that sort of lightning doesn't strike twice where everything comes together so perfectly um, and it creates uh, a masterpiece and yeah. it really does and for all there are minor faults within the film but it has such a charm to it yeah that you overlook you know oh, yeah. you know the couple of moments where the special effects are a bit weird or the acting's a little dodgy or Stuff like that, you overlook it because it's just such a great film, such an entertaining film, such a fun film to watch. But it also has a bit of a brain to it, and you can delve a yeah. little deeper into it and look at the themes that are on show. And Wes Craven always did that when he got it right so perfectly. Yeah. Um, because he was, by all accounts, and you know, whatever sort of interviews you, you listen to, with him or about him, um, a very intelligent man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everything we've just said about the inspiration, that was just for the villain and for the deaths, you know? I mean, that's only one part of the film. Mm, and, you know, look at everything else he created. Um, but, you know, the credit can't be given to him for the nursery rhyme because that was Heather Langenkamp's boyfriend at the time. Nice. He uh, he wrote the one, two, Freddy's Coming For You nursery rhyme that you hear from the... Uh, Jump Rope Girls from time to time throughout the franchise. I bet he's made a little money from that. Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, it's the film debut of Johnny Depp. Back yeah. when, uh, <laughs> back when you could like Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's made some iffy choices now. Hasn't he? Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, as a person and as an actor, he's kind of uh, just fat flat now. It, yeah. Yeah, I think he's lost his mojo. Yeah, on and his in mind whilst he's at it. Many regards. Um, but yeah, this is back in the glory days of Johnny Depp, um, and he was cast because he was a uh, a crush for uh, Wes Craven's daughter. She fancied him. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, um, he turned up with uh, a friend, Jackie O'Haley. Jackie O'Haley. Jackie O'Haley, <laughs> uh, who was going for the Glenn role. And um, he sort of auditioned, kind of like willy-nilly, just whatever, I'll give you an audition. And Wes Craven's daughter was like, uh, yeah, Johnny Depp. So there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a, a long and 
partly successful career came from that. Yeah, I mean, again, he's a household name. Yeah, I mean, that's he, a bit harsh, excuse me. A, a mostly well, successful Well, no, he is, he is a piece of shit now. But, you know, I mean, he he's a household name for the most part. You know, everyone knows who he is still. You know, some might not even be familiar with, you know, the allegations and everything around them now. Because um, everyone knows him as uh, Jack Sparrow. Yeah, yeah. Mm, probably don't look into it much more than that. No, no, sometimes people don't. No, but it is. I don't think Henry was proven in court, though, was it? I have no idea. I don't, that's, I don't. that's a story for a different podcast. I don't want no lawyers <laughs> at our door. Hey, we haven't said what he did, we just call him a piece of shit. Well, I did anyway, so I'll take the blame for it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, also. Going back to the design of, uh, of Freddy, the jumper was originally red and yellow, uh, but it was changed to red and green because they were the two most contrasting colours of the human retina. Yeah, yeah. So another very clever yeah. um, idea from Wes Craven. Robert Englund, who plays Freddy Krueger, he based his performance on uh, Klaus Kinski from uh, Nosferatu. Robert Englund is adorable he really is because he acts like he's so much more serious than he actually is like he really takes it seriously yeah <laughs> for what is, is you know and freddy krueger is a massive part of the success yeah. of no Man street and robert england is a massive part of the success of a nightmare on elm street but you know he, he He's not Peter at all over here. No, he's... and I've met him, and he's exactly like that in person. Like he's really serious, and you'd think he's like a fucking a list actor, like yeah. who has like yeah. so many deep inspirations. Like even on the documentary when he's talking about the later films, like you fucking go him on a broomstick. He's like, well, my my thoughts for this scene. Were... Oh, no, Robert Englund, come on, seriously. Sometimes it, it, from <laughs> interviews, he kind of defends um, aspects of the films that are way too dodgy. Yeah, way too dodgy to be defending. Sorry, mate. Well, I you was got, trying you got to check. You wanted your check. You got it. <laughs> You know, you rode that broomstick and you made a bit of a mockery. Yeah, he's he's amusing to watch. I I, I do love Robert Englund and his uh, serious ways. Um, but yeah, he's he's Klaus Kinski in this one. And uh, did you know his <laughs> his glove was um, the the famous uh, glove with the knives on it was too heavy for him. Um, so on the scenes where he's running down the alleyway and he's like leaning to one side. He, that was him apparently styling it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I used it as a, as a way of how the character would lip. No, it was just too heavy for you, Robert Englund. Seriously? Yeah, I think it would be maybe a little too harsh because he does put in a fantastic performance. Oh, a fantastic performance. performance. You know, uh, it, it, it's, it's a difficult one because we can sit here and say, oh, you know, Kane Hodder does such a wonderful yeah. Jason. No, I, I would well, never... Way, it would be way, way, way more difficult yeah. to play a character like Freddy. I would never, ever criticise Robert Englund's performance as Freddy Krueger. Like, in the first film. In any of them. You know, even... I I like, um, you know, quipping Freddy, Freddy. I suppose he, so, yeah. It's entertainment gold. It really is. Yeah. Um, I like him for both aspects, funny and scary. 
I'm on about Robert Englund in interviews. Yeah, he thinks... We could probably do an old podcast episode on Robert Englund in interviews. He's he's hilarious. Okay, yeah, moving on. (laughs) Um, There were some uh, difficulties on set between Wes Craven and Robert Shea, the producer. Yeah, I feel like Bob Shea always stuck his nose in to places where maybe it shouldn't have gone. Yeah, he he knew what he wanted, and he was going to make sure... Even though it was Wes's film... He knew the decisions he wanted, like the stairs scene where it's like marshmallow. It, that, of course, is a massive argument between him and Wes Craven. And it's a dodgy special effect. It is. I mean, I love that scene still. Yeah, it's... I love the idea behind it, but maybe 1984 wasn't the year to, to do it. Um, maybe 2010 was the year to do something yeah. similar, and they didn't do it. <laughs> uh, it originally had a happy ending as well, but then Robert, you know, Bob Shea was like, uh, "Oh yeah, we need a, we need a sequel, sequel, please." And by all accounts, he he was a lot more nosier into the sequel. As oh well. yeah, so yeah, um, and a few iffy decisions were made because of that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's about it for um, for the original trivia. Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to our podcast, I would very certainly think you've at the very least heard of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Um, if you haven't watched it, or maybe one person listening to this <laughs> who's accidentally pressed on it, who hasn't watched Nightmare on Elm Street... Uh, go out and watch it. If you haven't watched Nightmare on Street, I'm jealous. I'd love to watch this for the first time again. Oh my god, it's one of the, the clearest first watch memories I have. Yeah. Is watching Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time. And then I watched it straight away afterwards as well. I watched it twice. See, I remember when I was really young, I accidentally walked in on my parents watching it and it was the bit at the end... <laughs> I wonder where that was going. <laughs> it was the bit at the end where um, Freddy's coming out of the bed and uh, obviously, you know, you see the bed sheet over his head and he like slices his way through and it fucking scared the life out of me. I could not stop thinking about that for ages. Um, and then... I remember my dad having New Nightmare on VHS and just looking at the back cover scared the life out of me. Uh, and then I watched it for the first time when I was about uh, too young, probably about 11, 10, something like that. And it, it just blew my mind because it's just so over the top and it is genuinely scary, the first film, yeah. you know? It, it is genuinely scary. I remember my cousins had like a cardboard cutout. I would not. It was of one of the the posters, rather than just Freddy himself. And I'm struggling to remember exactly which one it was. I do believe it was Dream Warriors, if I remember correctly. And it was like a cardboard cutout, but it was an advertisement for the film. Mm. And I always remember being fascinated by it. And then my brother once had been around a friend's house and had watched Dream Warriors. So Dream Warriors was the one that I was really aware of. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously through time realised that that was part three. Um, and he told me about this girl that got her head shoved through the TV and and all that business. And I was like, oh man, I have to watch this. But I did end up watching them in order. So yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch part three first. Oh, I watched them in a weird order. I watched one... Uh, Freddy versus Jason. One, Freddy versus Jason. Four, 
And then the rest in order. Bloody hell. I know, yeah. It is a weird one. Suppose you were, like, nine when Freddy vs. Jason 11? came out. Eleven. Yeah, 11? so that, that's when I was oh, really... 11, so yeah. it would have been just before... For, yeah, so I'd have been ten when I watched the first film. Yeah. It was just before that. Uh, and obviously, Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, my God. The hype behind that film. Like, even at school, because that's when I'd first started secondary school. And uh, the hype. Everybody was talking about this film. Like, everybody and everyone was like saying what happens in it when they i mean you look back at it now fucking they had no idea what happened they, these kids clearly didn't see it my most memorable one was some kid was like oh there's a scene in the bar where uh freddie walks in and then jason walks in at the same time and they have a fight and i was like okay what i don't watch it i was like are you fucking serious where's the scene of freddie versus jason in a bar <laughs> yeah <laughs> like these kids have clearly never seen this film and they were just making up what they thought happened but yeah, so Sorry. moving on from the originals, uh, <laughs> we do have to get to this point, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> In 2010, Samuel Bayer, director of a lot of Green Day music videos and a fantastic Green Day uh, concert film, Bullet in the Bible, decided to direct a remake of Nightmare on Elm Street on a 35 million budget. And it made its money back. It made uh, over 115 million back. Nice. Um, yeah, not for us. Yeah, it's one of the highest grossing in the franchise behind, I think, part four. Or maybe after, just after part four. I thought Freddy vs. Jason was Those the are the three. Grossing. Those are the three. It's Freddy vs. Jason, the remake, and part four. They, they're the most uh, highest grossing in the franchise. Um, a bit of facts about this piece of shit. Um, Jackie Earl Ailey, uh, as, um, as Chris mentioned, originally auditioned to play Glenn in 1984. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley also said uh, that sitting in makeup chair for three hours put him in the right mindset to play uh, a child murderer. Oh, God. And imagine. child molester, apparently. A child mo- See, in this film, in the 2010 remake, he's not even a child murderer. No, he's a child molester. Yeah. We'll get to that. Uh, Sorry, mate. Jackie Earl Haley also called the 1984 original the worst movie ever made. Uh, after rewatching it before making this film, really? but I'm gonna stop picking on Jackie O'Leary now, and I'm gonna move over to Rooney Mara, who hated being in this film so much to the point that she almost quit acting, and this film no longer exists on her CV. Oh wow! Yeah, she despises this film, and do you know what? She's absolutely right in doing so. So was this really on in her career? Because very early on. I in her imagine. As is the case with most horror films, um, she's probably a lot older than her character. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, was this her breakout role? I when... think so. Do you know, it wasn't long after yeah, this when she was Oscar that. nominated. I um, think it may have been a year after. Oh, okay. At For, least a year or two. Uh, to go with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jackie O'Haley had been uh, Oscar nominated, I, I believe it was before this film... Um, yeah, it was uh, for Little Children in two thousand and six, yeah. and I have and I've seen that film, and he was absolutely phenomenal in it. Oh, he's fun- incredible. He's incredible a fantastic actor. He's phenomenal in Ro- in Watchmen. Yeah, him as Rorschach in Watchmen. Now that is a fucking great performance. Um, and you know what? Watchmen was before this, and knowing that he was going to play in Freddy Krueger, I was like, oh my god, this is going to be incredible. Because he was the right person for it. He was the right person for the role. Uh, I mean, you know, you'll never be Robert Englund, but he's fucking, you know... I was convinced he was going to be just as good. Yeah. We'll get to that shortly. Uh, This was originally intended to be a prequel 
uh, and it has nods to every single Nightmare on Elm Street film. You, yeah, yeah. In really random moments. Um, it, it takes you out of it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been better as a prequel. Like, there was going to be this whole plotline about how all the main characters in the first film had siblings that okay. were, like, hidden away from them because of Freddy and whatever. And that was the original intent for the first film, yeah. wasn't it? And that, that would have been a good plot. I mean, you know, there would have been flaws in it. Like, I mean, obviously, you completely make someone forget something. But, hey, this film touches on that anyway. Anyway, so... Um, after financial success, the studio actually greenlit a sequel. Um, but, you know, sometimes fans overpower money. And it was cancelled because of the negative reaction from fans and critics alike. Thank God. Oh, no, that's a disappointment. Well, we would have seen another Rooney Mara and Jackie O'Leary, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, but this time it would have been gay. Like Freddy's Revenge. <laughs> one can hope. But there, there is going to be another one. It, it's in the pipeline. I think, like, there's people begging to direct it now. It's, it's not going to be long before there's another one. I, Not, I mean, obviously, I, I assume it'll be following on from the originals. I hope they don't remake it again. I suppose it's been ten years, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's been ten years. Um, so I, I'm assuming they'll forget this one existed. I hope so. The, the, the 2010 one. I mean, certainly Rooney Mara's not going to return. I, I don't want them to do what they did with Halloween, because, I mean, with Halloween, you know, that's fine. A lot of those sequels can just go. But with Nightmare on Elm Street, there's so many great sequels. Would you not want to see a Nightmare on Elm Street film that leads directly from the first film? So you'd have Heather Langenkamp playing Nancy Thompson. So I know this is a complete rip-off of Halloween. the whole new Halloween mm. thing. Um, but you would have Nancy Thompson... Uh, you'd have Na- the character of Nancy Thompson back again. Um, John Saxon, he's still going. Um, I Ronnie Blakely died in the first film, though, didn't she? Technically, yeah. Technically. <clears throat> but would, you know, and Robert oh, England back and have her... But then you've kind of already, ha- already had that. The dream warriors. Yeah, but a, a new nightmare. A new nightmare, yeah. A new, if you're going to do something similar to that, a new nightmare kind of already did it to a certain degree. You know, Heather Langenkamp was essentially that Nancy Thompson role yeah. grown up as a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I'm not even sure if that would work because it would just I'd feel love like to see a her back. rehash I'd love to see her back I wish there was a way of writing off a death in, a death in Dream Warriors because I, I mean a direct sequel to Dream Warriors now that I would be completely down for that would be so good but you know I mean with Patricia Arquette yeah time will tell uh, hopefully whatever it is they make hopefully it's just fucking good that's all I want I just yeah. want it to be fucking good Um, so the this was the final remake uh, produced by Platinum Dunes, um, Dunes, Dunes, uh, Michael Bay's production company. Was it yes, really? it was the last film they released until the Purge, like three years later. But this is the last remake. The last they remake. Didn't... They said they'll never do another one again. Really? Yeah. After this, they did. Um, a quiet me. place. No, uh, remake. Oh, remakes. They did Amsville Horror, Friday the Thirteenth, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas they Chains did. Massacre, that's the one. Like pretty much all of that resurgence of remakes. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's so many they made. Mm. Um, not all of them were great. Anyway, um, 
so where was I? Uh, it, it really wanted to take itself seriously because it wanted to be more like, and this has been quoted so many times by people involved with this film. It wanted to be like Inception and The Dark Knight. It wanted to look like a Christopher Nolan film. Oh. Why the fuck would you want a Nightmare on Elm Street film to look like it was directed by Christopher Nolan? Fuck off. That is Why? so stupid. Because they were both successful just before this film. I see. I mean, maybe they thought they were going to get fucking Oscar nominations or whatever. I suppose this film was successful, though. Yeah, financially. Financially, financially. Which, at the, sometimes, at the end of the day, is all that they want. Yes, and um, just before we move on to this, the results of our poll, where we asked people oh, what they uh, preferred, whether it was the original or remake, after loads of nasty comments, we found out people prefer the original. Shock. Yeah. <laughs> but seven people, I'm not naming yet, but seven people... Think that the remake's better than the original. I'd watch them both back to back again if I were you. Do my advice. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone, each to their own, but. This, do you know what <laughs> for me? This isn't even a, a question of nostalgia. No. It's just a better film. Yeah. In every aspect. Yeah. Every aspect. Well, getting into it, we'll go with structure first. Um, may, maybe not um, uh, eyebrows <laughs> or fashion. Wow. <laughs> Oh, actually, the fashion's a little iffy in twenty the twenty ten one as well. Yeah, well, going into structure, uh, I'm gonna be very kind. I'm gonna let you give the first, second, and third acts of the original, because you know it off by heart, like how it goes, don't you? You've seen it a thousand times. Well, what are we identifying as the first act? So the first act for me would be uh, everything leading up to Tina's death. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so explain what happens up to that point briefly, in a summary. Oh, okay. So, we're introduced to four teenagers at high school. Um, Tina's been having bad dreams of a man in a red and uh, green sweater. Um, turns out they've all, particularly Tina and her friend Nancy, have been um, results in a sleepover at Tina's house because she doesn't want to sleep alone. These nightmares are getting so intense. And she ends up dead. Yeah. She ends up dead. And um, her boyfriend, Rod, is was the only other person in the room. We all know. We were introduced to the Freddy character who kills Tina. and But Rod takes the blame. And that's the second act. You caught me off guard here. Um, (laughs) Second act is essentially um, Rod is killed as well, uh, but made to look like he's hung himself in prison. Nancy knows that something's definitely going on. She's been having these nightmares and they're getting more and more intense. Uh, She's not sleeping. Her alcoholic mother and her police detective father are very worried uh, she goes to a sleep clinic. She brings Freddy's hat out of her dream. So she knows something's going down. Um, she's investigating. She's, you know, finds out that this Freddy Krueger was a dirty child uh, murderer uh, that the parents killed in a fire. So she then sets upon with well, the third, third act, act. Home Alone. In the third act, she goes full Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> She's out to get him, bring him into 
her world or our world essentially and uh, defeat him and he's finally defeated by her taking control and informing him that he's nothing but shit <laughs> and that she doesn't believe in him and yeah and then uh, that is the brief history of a nightmare on elm street and now i have the pleasure of giving you the brief history of a nightmare on elm street 2010 so we start out uh, in a very stylish sequence in the springwood diner where we're introduced to dean because you know i mean what's the point in keeping characters names Dean, Chris, Quinton, uh, what's the fucking guy? Jesse, Nancy, and uh, Quinton and Jesse's friend that you never see again. And uh, so Dean, we find out, is having nightmares. We're introduced to Freddy within the first few seconds. Uh, and he explains this to Chris, his girlfriend. And then... He cuts himself when he's uh, having a nightmare in the diner. Next minute, he slits his own throat in front of everybody. And uh, we see that it's uh, Freddy controlling him. Title card after about 10 minutes. And then uh, we get a bunch of sequences of uh, these characters realising they knew each other when they were younger. Um, we get a lot of jump scares, we get a few more Freddy scenes, and eventually Chris is killed uh, after Freddy bumps into her three times. She's killed in the same way she's in the original, and uh, Jessie, her ex who she's now with again, uh, is arrested for it. And we get on to the second act, that opens in a bookshop with a lovely jump scare. And some uh, lovely dialogue about micro-naps and pills to keep yourself awake. Uh, by everyone's favourite junkie, Quinton. Glenn's replacement. We get the boiler room for the first time. Uh, Jesse gets killed and tortured. Because, you know, Freddy's a bit like Jigsaw now. Um, more talk about sleeping tablets and such. There's a bit of a mystery going on between the parents. Uh, it's not very interesting. The bath scene happens. We find out that Nancy was Freddy's favourite child to molest. Um, bubbly scene there. They find out some more about Freddy being a pedo. Uh, we get a whole flashback sequence to him being a pedophile. Uh, Quinton ha falls asleep whilst he's swimming and has a vision, uh, a nightmare, as you will. He fell asleep swimming. Uh, he has a nightmare in his speedos of uh, Freddy being murdered. And it's like, hang on a minute. Maybe we were lying when we were younger. Maybe Freddy isn't a paedophile. And they start trying to defend a paedophile. Um, Nancy sees the body bag like she did in the original film. And actually says out loud, I just saw Chris in a body bag. Uh, they go to a pharmacy to get Quentin and his fix. And... Uh, Freddy appears, slashes uh, Nancy's arm, and she says, I think he's here. Uh, she gets taken to hospital, and they escape hospital without anyone seeing. And uh, that brings on to the third act. Uh, Quentin injects himself with some adrenaline. Great. Get some awkward small talk uh, about how they wanted to date each other and whatever. It's not believable, so it's not worth talking about. Uh, they Freddy jumps in front of the car, big old prankster. Uh, they crash the car and end up at the preschool, conveniently, where uh, he used to work. They find his pedo cave and realise that they weren't lying. 
and he's actually trying to kill him because they told the truth. Um, Nancy and Quentin have a kiss for some reason. Freddy attacks Quentin, somehow doesn't kill him, um, even though everyone else dies quite easily. Uh, Freddy chases Nancy around a bit, says a few puns. Uh, he puts Nancy in a school dress, <clears throat> pretends she's in nursery, because that's what everyone wants to see in this film. Um, looks like he's going to rape her, then looks like he's going to kill her after. Uh, then she pulls him into the real world. They have a little bit of a scrap. Uh, she says, welcome to my world, bitch, like in Freddy vs. Jason. And uh, chops his hand off, slits his throat. And after that, we think it's all over. But Freddy, uh, Nancy's mum's pulled through a mirror. And I really wish the film was that quick. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. Structure-wise, um, between the two, they're not that badly structured. I mean... It's fairly similar, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's very simplistic in its structure. I mean, you just remember that off very well. I mean, what's interesting with both is... Um, more interesting with the first film is initially it's played out in the first act like Tina is your main character. This is very much a nod to uh, Janet Lee and Psycho. Yeah, so it, it's... It, but it's something that's also carried on in the remake yeah. to a certain degree. But it's pointless in the remake. But it's pointless in the remake. Um, so you have... So Tina is made to look like our main girl. Um, she might be... A you know, easy to go to bed. <laughs> then slasher films would dictate for yeah. a final girl. But, uh, so she's our Marion Crane from Psycho when it's such a shock that she's murdered because she's our main character. Uh, in the remake, we've already... So we already kind of know that. Mm. We know that she's this character because we've already... And I guess her name's changed to Chris, but we've already been introduced to a brunette, very briefly, called Nancy. Yeah. So anyone familiar with the original film knows what's coming, but it takes a fucking long time to get there. Yeah. And whilst we're focusing on this Chris character, Nancy pretty much doesn't exist. No. Whereas my my biggest pet peeve for the remake is that I don't care about the characters no. because I don't feel like the char characters care about each other. Or themselves. I, like everyone is bored, miserable. Yeah. But I don't feel like Chris and Nancy were best friends. They weren't. They were never no. referred to like that. No. Whereas Nancy and Tina in the original were best friends. Yeah. This was a group. Yeah, and the know. chemistry between them as well is yeah, believable. Yeah, exactly. In yeah. this, you you can tell it's just a fucking film. It's just acting. You can tell it's just everybody doesn't know each other and there's nothing believable. And before the point that Chris is killed in the remake, Nancy, fucking no, she must have, what, ten lines? Yeah. You know, and she's killed about half an hour into this film. Mm -hmm. And how long's the film? An Just hour and a half. An hour and a half. So a third of the way film, uh, a third of the way through the film, our first act, Nancy pretty much doesn't exist. Yeah. And that is annoying because by the end of the film, I don't know, what? She, she wears a beanie? <laughs> 
the the thing is she's uninteresting when she's introduced and spoiler alert by the end of the film she's still not interested yeah what she paints oh great you know (laughs) why don't you give us some dialogue for fuck's sake yeah but I mean I suppose what both what both films do is um I mean whether to do it right or bad uh, obviously the first one does it right the second uh, the remake does it bad uh, is that initial you know this is your main character drawing you in oh wait no it's not she's dead that draws you into the film and then once you're there you know you've got that intrigue of who the fuck is this killer who's killing people in their dreams and whatever mm. and then you're like okay now we've got someone else to look into and it, I mean especially with how fast they both move as well um, again, more so in the first film, it, it keeps you hooked it, really well. Yeah, it does, because it's slowly developed throughout. Yeah. So through Nancy's investigations and through, you know, little tidbits of her pulling the hat out or, so, you know, she burns herself in English mm. class and she's burned in the real world through that, there's a slow development of this character, of Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Now, he does talk. He doesn't talk as much as he does in the remake or in the sequels. Yeah. But he, he does talk. But we don't know who he is or what he is and, and, and what's happening. We don't know what's happening as much as the characters don't really know what's yeah. happening. Um, so that is slowly developed throughout the film. Yeah. And... In doing that, Nancy becomes, you know, our our girl. Yeah. She becomes our final girl. She becomes our focal point as viewers. We we know, ultimately, Rod and Glenn uh, are probably going to die. Yeah. And, and the mum and dad, to be fair, um, you know, uh, John Saxon survives, but he didn't necessarily need to mm. because we know this is Nancy's story. Whereas... In the sequel, a uh, sequel, for <laughs> in the remake, you know, we don't have that development no. because it, it's all sort of like, it's not really... It feels forced. Yeah, it it's not really forced. a puzzle to solve um, because it, it's only very small. So the, a little bit of fabric that she pulled out of a dream. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'll use this. But doesn't really put a plan together. No. It's just sort of, at the end of the film, she's laying on a bed. Yeah. Whereas Nancy uses her intuition and she uses, you know, her brains and intellect eventually. And she goes full Macaulay Culkin on him in the end. Which... Because she's into survival. Yeah. Which we'll be going into yeah, excuse in, me, in a sec because we're going to get to characters. <laughs> um, next up on my list is, <laughs> is death scenes. I mean, I think we said all we said about the structure. Yeah, yeah. It, it follows and, a very similar structure. Both yeah. films follow a very similar structure. You know, um, you, your first act is leading up to Blonde's girl's death. Yeah. Middle is kind of investigation. Um, disposable characters are killed. And then final act is defeating Freddy in whatever way, you know, yeah. the uh, storyline dictates. Uh, at the end of each of these segments, I'm going to say which one we prefer for these things we're talking about. So structure, do you prefer 84 or 2010? Well, it has to be 84 because yeah, absolutely. it's the original. Same know? for me. It, it, you know. 
I mean, like I said, they, like you said, they both do it well. You know, they both structure it out well, but execution, nineteen eighty four by far. Yeah, yeah, and and the twenty twenty just copies. Yeah, the the first pretty one. much. Yeah, death scenes and gore. Right, so. These are the death scenes. In the original, you've got uh, Tina goes first. She's killed by being dragged around the ceiling and sliced up while she's on the ceiling. It's fucking grim. It's still effective to this day. Mm. Um, You've got Rod. He's hanged by Freddy. Uh, You've got uh, Glenn. He's sucked into his bed and... um, (laughs) explodes into his be bedroom? A, I think you'd call it a geyser of blood. Yeah. Uh, I, I still can't describe that scene to this day. Um, Freddy's just forgotten about. Um, but I mean, find out obviously he's not really dead. And Marge, Nancy's mum, is dragged through a door. 2010, we have Dean. He gets his throat slit at the start by himself. Um, but obviously it's Freddy controlling his arm. Uh, Chris is the Tina character. She's thrown around the ceiling before she's slashed. It's a lot quicker than the original. Um, Jesse, who is the Rod character in this one, gets a glove through the chest and he gets tortured off screen. Uh, Marcus Yon, who is a uh, one of the other kids at the nursery who was molested by Freddy, he gets pushed into a camera. Um... Freddy gets his hand chopped off and his throat slit. And Gwen, Nancy's mum in this one, gets pulled through the mirror. And it sounds really difficult for Jackie O'Haley. He's like... Like, it sounds like he's really struggling to pull her through. So, let's start with... I mean, Dean's death. Do you know what? Great death. Yeah, I mean, it's a good... The practical effects are very good on that scene. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a good start to the the film. Uh, yeah. I mean, gore-wise, um, we are sort of, you know, in 2010, um, you you have to up the, the blood factor. Yeah. Um, to get the audience in, essentially. Um, and it's good. Yeah, it slits his throat. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's pretty much all we say. It's a decent death yeah, scene. Yeah. Don't know him. Don't really no. give a shit about him. No, but, you know. no, we don't really care. Um, and but then... Oh, gnarly throat slit. Yeah, pretty much. Difference between Tina and Chris. I prefer 1984 because it's dragged out and it feels uncomfortable. Like, there's this camp film you're watching and then all of a sudden, you know, the screams from uh, Amanda Weiss, who, who plays... Tina. Mm. Fucking hell. It's still very, very effective. Yeah. It's a very, very gnarly death scene. Um, it is. It is. Very well made as well. It's um, the best one of the film. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, he goes through so much teasing before that point, you know, chasing her through the alleyway, chopping off his finger, and just all these things to scare her. And, you know, you, you think to yourself, is he just going to scare her? Is this all this film's going to be? And then the next minute, she's just dragged around the ceiling, like, slowly, Whilst Rod watches, it's very, very effective. And yeah, and the effects are very good. Oh, they're amazing. They, they did it by having an upside down yeah. room that they were spinning at the time. You know, it's very elaborate, um, but it works very well. Yeah. And particularly because of uh, Amanda Weiss's uh, performance during it. Yeah. Uh, Chris's death scene, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. 
it's the same thing. It's, it's the, the same, same thing, thing, but it's just the one thing I dislike about it is it's so happens so fast. Yeah. Like whereas the first one, it drags it out, and that's why it's so scary. But mm. in this, she's thrown around in a very twenty ten way. Yeah. Um, you know, she could be in a paranormal activity film for all anyone knows. She's dragged around, but not so much dragged, she's thrown. Um, and then has a chest slashed. Yeah. I'm glad it wasn't done with CGI. That's all I could say. I, I mean, I feel sorry for the stunt actress who ever had to fucking do this. Um, but, yeah. It's just very 2010. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, whereas the original scene still stands out now. You know, still to this day, that still looks fantastic. This is very much a product of its time. Yeah. And you know you've got a problem when something has aged worse than something from 1984. It's true. Um, next up, we have Rod and Jesse. Uh, Rod's death very mean-spirited. And I think, again, it's more effective because you're in the 80s. What fucking film do you have where someone, where a villain hangs their victim? Yeah, I, I I think the intent behind, you know, behind it was to make it look like he'd killed himself. Um, so, you know, it's not gory, it's no. not bloody, but it's got a purpose behind yeah. it. Um, so that, that would just make it a little creepier. Yeah. You know? uh, the, the special effects during it aren't, they're a bit weird... I think that adds to it because it adds to that dreamlike quality that it's trying to go for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, effects wise, I will say, twenty ten does win on the effects for this scene. Um, Jesse, who is the Rod character in in uh, in twenty ten, obviously gets uh, Freddy's glove put through his chest, but it's done with practical effects. So that looks pretty good. Is it? Yeah, that was practical effects. Oh. And I, I thought that looked decent. Um, you know it. I prefer the original death scene because of the nature of it. Mm. I, you know, it's a bit more hard hitting, but and it's obviously the twenty ten one's a bit basic. But I think it looks better. Oh, your phone's. I don't know. Oh, no. oh, excuse oh, me. Siri, <laughs> we weren't asking you about excuse it. Excuse me. <laughs> Our special That's guest, a... Siri. How unprofessional. <laughs> we ain't getting paid for this. Um. But yeah, back to this to this death scene. Uh, but then what ruins it as well with twenty ten is the fact that Freddy's like, oh, do you know the mind can still function after blah 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 blah? We still got so long to play. Fuck off. No, doesn't need to be there. Um, you know the thought of Freddy torturing his victim like that is just bullshit. Yeah, it's it, there's absolutely no subtlety yeah. to the twenty ten remake. Um, so they, they wouldn't even have thought of doing a death scene that didn't have blood and guts and gore. This should be a short one. Marcus Young, head smash through the camera. Whatever. <laughs> Again, that could have been a scene in Paranormal Activity. That, yeah. You know, I mean, this is coming well, from the back of that. that reminds me, what's that film? Um, is it Friend Request or... Unfriended. Unfriended. <laughs> it's like Unfriended, yeah. It's like Unfriended, <laughs> where he's just there on a webcam and just smashes his head into the... And you're like, whatever. The yes. actor who plays Marcus Young was in the Friday the 13th remake as well. And I thought I'd tell you that because I don't know if it's interesting to say about his death scene. Glenn, in the bed. What can be said about that scene? I mean, that's the iconic... You know, that is iconic. I prefer Tina's, but that's the iconic one. Yeah. 
Um, that's the one that everybody talked about. Um, and, and obviously, here's me saying, oh, well, the 2010 ones are just interested in blood. You know, this has fucking gallons, gallons of blood. Of but it's used in the right way. Yeah, it's I mean, such an effective visual. I don't know um, how the fuck Wes Craven thought of this, but... No, such such an effective visual yeah. and such a... Um, you know, because it is a, a, in some somewhat a fantasy film... Yeah. There's aspects of fantasy. Then why not have a big elaborate death scene like yeah, that? Yeah, and, exactly. You know, and you go balls to the wall with it, and it, yeah, it's great. And and the mum coming in at the end, yeah, her screaming, yeah, you know. Oh, it's great. Yeah, very memorable. Um, got nothing to compare that to because unfortunately Quentin survives in twenty ten. Um, uh, yeah. the Freddy death. Um, I mean. Again, 84, it's the power behind Nancy in that scene that makes that so much better than 2010. Because, I mean, up until this point in 2010, she's just been a bit of a wet blanket, um, Nancy. She hasn't really been strong or into survival or anything. She's just been a victim in a horror film, basic. Uh, and then for her to randomly be like, welcome to my world, bitch. You know, it just... I don't... Is Siri back again? Yeah. I'm going to switch this off. Excuse me. Siri respond to Nancy now. What the fuck? Um, but yeah, I mean, the effect's a little dodgy in the 84 version of Freddy's death when he's falling through the door. Yeah, but the whole idea of the... And, and this is what I gather from the original is this is Nancy taking control of yeah. her life back. You know, this is her... Showing her worth, you know, and I think it's quite effective. Obviously, it's not, you know, that exciting, but when you look behind, you know, mm. um, behind it, it, there's some very interesting ideas coming out there. Um, whereas in the 2010 one, it's just just a violent it's just a villain death. dying in a horror film but it is you know it's it's the same way we see you know um, Michael Myers die or yeah. Jason Voorhees die it doesn't say anything about anything whereas no. you, can, you can read into um, Nancy and what she does at the, at the end of the original and it's all ideas given to her by Glenn you know yeah yeah it's, it's way more interesting if not um, visually as good. And finally, Nancy's mum. Okay, so, so the thing is, in the original, she kind of dies twice. Yeah. Because she's that, she's that on-fire skeleton going into the bed. Yeah. That, <laughs> from some old uh, fucking Vincent Price film, <laughs> it looks like. Uh, and then she's pulled through the window. Yes, it's a wild, dodgy <laughs> dummy. Yeah. It's a great idea, though, and a great visual, and it's annoying because they should have done it in the remake and made it look better, because it is a great visual. Is this woman being, you know, sucked through the door like that? Yeah, if the if the remake kept up with its practical effects for the final scene, I actually would have said I preferred it to the original, but instead they did CGI and it looks like shit. It does look like shit. It yeah. looks... Awful. I mean, it's very satisfying because Nancy's mum's not very interesting in the real. So, yay, she died. <laughs> yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, the original's just classic. It's so cheesy, but it's fucking great. It is cheesy, but it's, uh, it's memorable. Death scenes and gore. So let's do them separately. Death scenes, uh, original. Yeah, original. Gore? Um, I, would, I suppose I'd have to say the remake, essentially. Yeah. Because um, it, it's less... So some of the original is is a little hokey. Even though the ideas behind them are great, it, it's a little hokey in places. Yeah, and I think obviously we were a lot more well versed in gore in twenty ten, so I think that's why it pushes it a little more. Yeah. Uh, with that, now I'm gore is I'm not a gore hound though. So no. It doesn't really bother me that much. Um, cinematography, special effects, and the soundtrack. Um, so basically, how well were they made? Well, the twenty ten for me the twenty remake wise, the twenty ten uh, remake uh, soundtrack wise the, the remake, fuck's sake, um, that's not very memorable until you hear no. parts of the original yeah. soundtrack. Um, I I do believe that using um, is it dream dream a little dream yeah uh what what is it the everly brothers song all i have to do is dream uh, at the end it's way way too cheesy too on the nose i, d- I didn't get it you they know. use it in the store as well in the pharmacy yeah they do i, d- I just you're you're trying to take yourself seriously you know um but i didn't know what i wanted to do no, it didn't, but it felt like it tried to take itself seriously, like The Dark Knight, or, you know. Mm. Um, the score for the original film cheesy. is one of my favourite horror scores. Oh, it's fantastic. That's flawless. That's not even a competition. Absolutely fantastic. And, of course, there's still some of it for the remake, but yeah. it's nowhere near as effective. No, and that as... mega banger over the credits as well. Yeah, and not to mention, like, the synth score when they're going through the Home Alone scene. Yeah. It's fucking great. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um... So the soundtrack definitely goes to original. Um, cinematography, the remake has some really good moments of cinematography. Mm-hmm. You can't take that away from it. Because no. it's trying to be the fucking Dark Knight. Um, like the opening scene, the colour scheme of um, using green and red, uh, for example, to you know indicate that they're in a dream. That, I thought, was very effective. And like I said, the first five, ten minutes is very stylish, um, the way they play it out. Um, there's some moments that verge on looking like a Saw sequel, um, where the style just loses it a bit and gets a bit generic. Uh, I think the pharmacy scene where it's like, where it transitions into the dream, I think that looks great. Um, but the original also has the alleyway scene and that is horror cinematography gold. Oh yeah. That is fucking eerie. It's atmospheric. It's, so good. So, yeah. again, and I know, you know, this might sound a little biased to everyone, but it goes to the original. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes you have to take into account um, the, the age difference. Yeah, you can look slick, you can look fancy, but there's nothing that can beat the eeriness of a team that's working with what they've got at the time yeah. and managing to conjure up something that still looks creepy. Absolutely. You know? No big budget could take that away. No. And that's why the original Halloween's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Special effects. That's a... I mean, that is a difficult one because they both use a fair amount of practical effects. Yeah. The only reason, again, why I'd have to go with the original is because 
the use of CGI in this one, in the remake, takes away those scenes of practical effects. Yeah, they're there. Yeah, they look good. But then the CGI comes in and then it looks cheap. And then it's easy to overlap the practical effects with the CGI because it's more memorable because of how bad it looked. Yeah. There are some memorable parts in the original, though. I mean, the oatmeal stairs. Mm. Um, the, the iffy dummy... Uh, Ronnie Blakely being dragged through the door. Yeah. Um, but then there were some great effects. Yeah, it, effects. a lot of the original is just down to charm. Um, that's true. You know, and I think that's why it looks good. And don't forget, this is meant to be within a dream. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the bad effects are pretty dreamlike. Are they? I'd say so. I mean, like the marshmallow stairs and stuff. I think that's... Oatmeal, isn't it? Yeah. It's meant to look like stairs. Well, I mean, special effects, I'm still going with the original. Because, um, like I said, a, a lot of them do still hold up now. Yeah, yeah. Would, would, would you include makeup in that? Oh, fucking hell, yes. Because yeah, so the makeup for Robert Englund in the original fantastic. is flawless. It is. It Absolutely is. flawless. That yeah. is the best he looked as Freddy. Yeah. Um, the makeup in the new one for Freddy is disturbing but not for the right reasons i think they tried a little too hard to look like an actual yeah Burns this victim. leads on to our next segment actually okay. so we're gonna move on to characterizations and actors um and uh, first up freddie yeah the look like chris said they tried to make him look like a proper burn victim in the remake doesn't work it doesn't, no. It looks fucking stupid. Well, it doesn't even look stupid, no. It genuinely looks disturbing, but for the wrong reason. It looks upsetting. It looks like he genuinely has been burnt. I don't want that from a horror villain. No, well, no, not really. Um, I agree with you there. And, you know, if they were going for realism, maybe they're a little closer than the original. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it leaves no sort of... Um, ability to create facial expressions. No, no. You know, uh, Robert England was very expressive. Yeah. Uh, and, and particularly as the films went on. Um, the makeup in the remake looked a little stifling. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure it was a right pain in the ass for either of them to put on every day. Um, and I'm sure they didn't enjoy it. But it looked more restrictive in the 2010. Well, there was a bit of CGI used on the 2010 one as well. Like, they CGI'd his cheek oh, for some okay. reason. yeah. Um, and that just looked odd. Yeah. But, but yeah, and that, it, it really doesn't help. I mean, you know, it just looks weird. And I mean, we know Freddy was burnt in the original. We're told that in the plot. That's yeah. fine. That's all you need to know. And, you know... He looks burnt. He just doesn't look like a real burn victim. It doesn't look as upsetting as the remake looks. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know why they'd think he want. You know, why it would want to be more realistic. But um, yeah, I think they were going for gritty. Yeah. Make it a little more grittier because the original is the, it verges on camp at mm. points, uh, which is fantastic. You know, I I, I have no issues with camp. Um, I think they were going for gritty. Yeah. They just made it look a bit weird. If you look at him in the shadows, you look at him from far away, do you know what? He looks all right. 
Um, the first scene, he looks good in the first scene because you can hardly see his face. Yeah. The pharmacist scene, he looks good in that. Um, there's many scenes where he does look good, but only because you can't see him properly. Mm. Uh, that's not good, though. You know, it shouldn't you shouldn't have to hide your horror villain. If it's not Michael Myers. You shouldn't have to hide him for him to look scary. Um, you know, especially someone who's who is as in your face as Freddy Krueger. And the first time you see him properly is in the classroom scene uh, where they replace uh, Nancy's moment with Chris, where she ha- falls asleep, she ends up in a run-down classroom, uh, and he turns around, and I remember seeing this in the cinema for the first time, and I was like, oh, Jesus. It, it's jarring. It, it's jarring, and it looks so stupid when you first see it. And then when you start to realise what they did with it, it's like, oh, okay, that's depressing. Yeah, because the, the, unfortunately there are, you know, Burns victims yeah. out there. Do uh, we want to see them being a paedophile and a child murderer? Fuck and, no. And yeah, it's it's just, it's kind of saying, you know, that their sort of injury mm. is scary. Whereas, yeah. you know, we, we know Freddy Krueger is a Burns victim in the first, in the original, mm. but... That that was more influenced by pizza. Yeah, it's not realistic. Yeah, and I think going down the realistic path is essentially saying that you know this face is scary. Well, yeah, that's that's very rude. It actually, is. that it is. that's not nice. Um, and it's not necessary. You know, you've got a f- a fantasy sort of film here. Mm. You know, you you can go a little different mm. on that one and I think the fantasy side of it of making Robert Englund not look as realistic in the original makes him look more terrifying exactly because um, they, exactly. you know they could do what they want with him to make him look scary exactly and I found that in the the remake I felt a bit sorry for Freddy yeah so you have that whole scene of him you know w- without the burns so Jackie O'Haley without the the makeup on being chased and then burnt alive essentially mm. and i'm like well, what are you doing we don't need that you're humanizing mm. this murderer yeah you, you know it's not necessarily in the first film ronnie blakely tells us he was a dirty child murderer that's all we needed to know yeah that's all we needed to know yeah uh she explains what happens Great, fantastic. We don't need to see it. We don't need to see... It. And it, it it wasn't until fucking Freddy's dead mm. that we see Robert England as Freddy without the burns. Yeah, that's true. Because it humanises a character that we don't need humanising. But this is a problem with a lot of the remakes around this time period. They they seem to think everyone needed a backstory Ugh. and that everyone needed to see what happened to these people. Uh, I mean, look at Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween. It has a whole hour of backstory for Michael Myers because it thinks people are stupid and they can't just listen to dialogue. They have to show them what happened. Yeah. And it's fucking ridiculous. They it's have insulting. to put it all out there and they have to show it. It's so and insulting. Sometimes it's not, it's not necessary. Sometimes you can you can keep a little behind and yeah. still have an interesting film. Yeah. Um, the voice is fucking weird. They edit whenever whenever he speaks, they edit him so he's louder than everything else. Yeah. And Jesus, it's so annoying. 
more than anything else. And his voice is very... His line delivery is very strange in this. Um, which is quite surprising for Shaquille Haley. Um, you know, his voice is a big part of his role as Rorschach in Watchmen. Um, but it's very different to this. Like, in this film, he just... I don't know. It's just weird. Um, his jokes, they're all, like, dad jokes and puns. Oh, my God. Don't get me started. Because that really pissed me off it contradicts itself it wants him to be serious and yeah. realistic but then he's pulling out all the jokes exactly so you're trying to be gritty and you're trying to be you know um a darker version of mm. what the sequels had become but you're still cracking these puns and he's giving what's his name fucking um jesse a q and a yeah for christ's sake He's but, asking him fucking questions. So, oh, can you bring the dead back to life? No. Well, I didn't fucking think so. Why are you having this conversation Why? with him? Why are you having a fucking conversation? Then, then when he starts giving him his lesson on what you could do with the body when someone's dying, it's like, stop talking. You give, you know, in the original, Freddy talked. Yes, he did. It was a, a quick... He has like eight lines. Sometimes it's a pun or, or something that he would... That's maniacal, but he would find mm. comical. Whereas in this... It's fucking shit that my dad wouldn't even make a gag yeah. about. It's just cringy. Yeah, he's like, he's just the whole, uh, how's this for a wet dream? Um, Do you think, you know, th- them saying they want to be like the Dark Knight, mm. do you think they're trying to give a little bit of the Joker? Oh, please. To that? I hope that's not the case. Really hope that's not the case, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Yeah. Um, one of my favourites he uh, says to Nancy let's play a game and she's like fuck you and he's like oh that's uh, that sounds good a little fast for me though why don't we hang first turns her around and there's a friend's hanging <sighs> yeah and then in comparison <laughs> you've got Freddy in the first film the original he's like come to Freddy waggles his tongue a bit at Nancy yeah that's all you fucking need. I'm your boyfriend so, now, yeah, Nancy. This is God. In this one, he talks like fucking Pinhead. They're like, uh, Jesse's like, oh God. And he's like, no, just me. Fuck off. You're not Pinhead. No. You're trying to be Freddy Krueger. Yeah. You should have said, this is God. That's your line. Yeah. But yeah, so his puns are fucking terrible. There's no charm to him. Poor Jackie O'Haley. He's better than this, but apparently not. So I'm going to have to go with 1984. Oh, absolutely no questions. There's no question. Yeah. No, 1984. And, spoiler alert, the next one's going to be the same result as well. Nancy. Yeah, um, I I don't understand what they were going with. No. 2010 Nancy. Uh, She's barely even a character until a third of the way through the film. Um, She's got no charm. No, nothing to her. She's got nothing to her. She's not interesting. Um, I, I don't believe she's intelligent no. or um, resourceful. I don't get any of that from her. I don't care about her. No. I, I generally don't give a shit. Um, I think she's, you know... Uh, she reads a book called Who is Sad. Who is Sad, yeah, and I do think she's a little sad. She draws emo pictures. And... And I think, I don't know if we're going to go into the whole uh, cast well, or the characters, but I, I find that 
in the original, you know, these are your all-American yeah. boys and girls. Yeah, and we, we're going to go into Glenn and stuff, but, you know, here's the thing with Nancy. In, in the remake, they add this little twist, in, you know, quote marks, twist, where she was Freddy's favourite child to molest. First of all, that's fucking grim. Second of all... Um, because, I mean, you know, this stuff happens in real life. We know this stuff happens in real life. It's not very nice. You know, you go to watch a fantasy horror film, you want to fucking escape from this shit. You don't want to hear this. Uh, but it goes on a lot about paedophile, um, you know, the paedophile tones and themes and such in this. And, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I feel like a big issue with the 2010 one was the fact that it was so obsessed it was. with him being a child. It molester. really was. So obsessed. He, by all accounts, he'd never committed murder until he started killing people in their dreams. Do you know, the closest thing you get in the originals to this is in Freddy vs. Jason when he licks a picture of a child at the start. Yeah. That's the closest you get to it. Yeah. And all those films are fun because they don't fucking talk about this. Well, they just called him a filthy child murder. Yeah, that's all it was. And that just makes him more intense. That just, like, adds a layer of fear to him. Yeah. You know? But this, no, um, Nancy's his favourite, and that's a twist. Do you know what this twist is included? This twist is included because there's nothing else interesting about this version of Nancy. No. The original, she's the final girl because she outwits Freddy. Mm-hmm. She is just as much of a powerful force as Freddy is, and she, she's, as she says herself, she's in survival. Yeah. She plans it all out, she uses her brains, she uses her strength... And that's how she defeats him. In this, she's the final girl because he's because uh, she's uh, Freddy's favorite. Yeah. Fuck off. That is bullshit. Yeah. That is absolute bullshit. That is such a cheap trick to pull. It really is. I just I just don't get it. I just I just don't get what they were going for uh, with that character. No, and Rhea Mara gives such a wooden performance. She's so oh uninterested. Oh my god, and she. Mumbles. Yeah, she I mumbles. I don't know what she's saying half the time. Um, that one of her first, well, first lines of dialogue after the title card. She's having a chat with uh, with Chris and Jesse, and uh, he Jesse tells her she didn't see anything. And she's like, you know what? You like, what? Huh? The fuck was that? Bless her. You know, Heather Langenkamp. There's a couple of iffy scenes. Oh, but I love it. It's. That's what... But she's got charm. Yeah, that's really stood out to me when I was a child. Because when, when I watched this when I was young, uh, and I'd not seen many horror films, anything I had seen would always have a final girl who would still be a victim, you know, whether they're strong or not. Mm. But with Nancy, she was so energetic, and it's infectious. It really makes you like her so much. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why she's one of the best final girls in horror. Uh, you know, she continues that energy through Dream Warriors, a new nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then this is just, no, she's just a throwaway character. Yeah. So, yes, Heather Langenkamp wins that one. Yeah, absolutely. The Love Interest. Johnny Depp, Glenn, and Kyle Garner as Quinton, with his Joy Division t-shirt. Trying to be edgy, like everyone else in this film. Yeah, I, I didn't get the whole edgy thing. I mean, Johnny Depp did his what crop top yeah he did what was needed yeah you know it was his first role Glenn Glenn wasn't Glenn wasn't our focal point never was no Glenn was a really. little stupid by all accounts yeah he was, um, he was he, but he was a, a jock 
you know... Um, <laughs> Try to be. Well, yeah, but by Nancy's admission, you know, you're a jock, you must yeah. have a baseball bat, so... I don't think there's really much to say. No. Except it, for he's just... He's Johnny Depp. He looks nice. Like I said all, uh, earlier, he's like an all-American boy next door. Yeah, that's, that's it. You know, and then... And that's all you need. Yeah. That's it. Carl Garner as Quinton, on the other hand, genuinely looks like a believable junkie. And do you yeah. know what? If we didn't know Freddie was killing, I'd have guessed it was him doing the killings. Yeah, he's... Um... It's a weird character. Very weird. I just... I don't know. There's so many of these characters and, you know, fashion choices and stuff and the the way they, they are. I was like, wow, 2010 seems a long time yeah. ago. Was that how 2010 was? I don't know. Did he people was just... walk around with beanies all the fucking time? Well, yeah, his fashion sense was terrible and he just... He just seemed like a drug addict. I mean, every time that a drug became available to help him in the situation, it's like, yeah, we've got to take that, we've got to take that, we've got to take this. Yeah. It's like, whoa, calm the fuck down. It's the pot of coffee and some, uh, what's the name? Hypnosil. No, no, not Hypnosil. What's the one from the first film? Fast Awake or, or whatever. Oh, yeah, Fast it's Awake. Just, yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just... It, again, it just makes him unlikable. Um, there's no chemistry between him and Nancy. None at all. Yet there's a random love story between them at, at the end. Yeah, and he, he didn't need to survive. Um, and, and that's annoying as well because, you know, Nancy did it all by herself. Yeah. Whereas in the, in the original, she did it by herself. Whereas in this one, she needs Quentin's help. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, without a doubt. Um, Glenn in 1984 yeah, yeah I mean they're both essentially throwaway characters just one yeah. of them wasn't thrown away uh, Tina Amanda Weiss in the original Chris Katie Cassidy in this Katie Cassidy it's a weird one because she provides one of the better performances of the film but also she's the happiest out of all the kids in it and yet she her boyfriend she watched her boyfriend die in the opening minutes <laughs> yeah I can't quite figure that out she uh I, I found her the, probably the most interesting character in the remake. Mm. Um, which isn't saying much. No. Um, but, yeah, I, again, I, I think probably because I knew what was coming. Yeah. I didn't really care that much. Uh, is her name Katie Cassidy? Katie Cassidy. She did a perfectly reasonable yeah. job with what she had to do. Um, I, I feel like Amanda Weiss just... For her screaming during her death scene. Mm. And um, she is confrontational with Freddy. Yeah. Very confrontational with him. Um, within that short amount of time she's in the film, you know, we see a lot of character development for her. Um, you know, she's happy despite what's going on. She's a little flirty. She's funny, you know, has a certain charm about her. And she confronts Freddy. Um, Katie Cassidy's plays more of a basic character in this yeah i just like yeah, you've I, seen it before yeah she just i don't know she's just a victim isn't she yeah much like uh again uh you know obviously original uh much like the next character rod who's nick cory cory whatever in the first original film and jesse played by thomas decker in the remake thomas decker is one of the worst actors in this fucking oh god yeah oh my god yeah. He is so wooden, yeah. and he looks like Adam Lambert. 
does. In the yeah. original, you know, Rod was also a throwaway character, just like Jesse is in this, but he still had a bit more character development. And I'd say Nick Corey provided a better performance than... Yeah, he wasn't too you bad. Know. You know, again, with, with what he needed to do. Yeah. Um, he was perfectly reasonable. Um, Rod had some good lines. Yeah. Good, quotable lines. He seemed more like a jock than Johnny Depp, and certainly more like a jock he than was the bad Thomas boy, Decker. Because he had a leather jacket and yeah. a switchblade. Um, but uh, Thomas Decker was not a believable bad boy, and he gets to deliver one of the film's most famous lines, and he looks like he can't remember it. And he's like, oh, yeah. don't fall uh, asleep. It's like, <laughs> do you know what you need to say? <laughs> yeah. So yes, Rod wins it all the way. Yeah. Rod and his switchblade. And Nancy's parents, or for 2010's sake, parent. So you got Marge by Ronnie Blakely in the original and Donald by John Saxon in the original and just Gwen, Dr. Gwen. Um, yeah, I don't know where this doctor <laughs> came from. Maybe I missed something. Dr. Gwen, who is played by Connie Britton uh, in the remake. Three great actors there. And can you guess which one is the bad one in the bunch? The bad one? Yeah. Oh, Character-wise? I'm kind of... I, I, I mean... Connie Britton did a good enough job, but her character was not interesting. Yeah, she didn't have anything to do. No. So one of the main themes of the original Nightmare on Elm Street is um, the sort of parents not believing the children. So these teens are being murdered because of what their parents did. They're being punished for the sins of the parents. And the parents are completely ignorant to it. They're not there. You know, Nancy faces, essentially faces all of this alone um, at the end, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, that's a main theme of that film. Yeah. And uh, Ronnie Blakely... Uh, Ronnie Blakely is obviously the actress. Uh, what, who, what is Marge. her name? Marge. Marge. Uh, the mother, she's a raging alcoholic. And it's one of my favourite performances. She is an absolute treasure in that film. It's so camp. <laughs> so camp and over the top. So over the top. But brilliant. You it's know? amazing. And she she can barely look after herself. She's hiding bottles of vodka around the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a scene where Nancy tucks her into bed. Yeah. Before Nancy goes out to defeat Freddy, mm-hmm. um, the John Saxon character is the police chief. Yeah. So he's never around, and whenever no. he is, he's always too concerned with telling her what to do that he doesn't listen to her. And then you got Gwen in the remake. She's just there to give us a bit of exposition and die. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And she, for some reason, she hides this photo. Yeah. I, I really have no idea why she'd have a photo of all the kids. But yeah. it really helps the plot of the story. It really helps the plot, though. Um, and, she, she, yeah, she doesn't really do anything. She's no. not really anything. Um, she just gives us a backstory, and, and that's it. Yeah. So, again, original wins on that one. But she, she probably... It, it, she probably takes more concern... She's probably more concerned about Nancy... Mm. than the parents are in the original one. Yeah. The the original ones are so consumed with 
telling her that she's going crazy. Yeah. And she needs to get some sleep. And too consumed with booze and their job. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, Dr. Gwen, I didn't even know she was a fucking doctor. She's <laughs> always there. Um, she's not really absent. And she's probably asks how Nancy is uh, way, way more than she probably should. Yeah. Because, you know, um, she, Nancy deserved a slap because she was uh, uh, not, not very interesting. No. Not very nice either to her mum. <laughs> that is our first comparisons episode. There we and go. I think we can both agree that the winner is Nightmare on Elm Street 1984. Yeah, of course. 2010s didn't even come close. I've seen it so many times. That was the worst time watching it. I think it's dog shit. It rides so heavily on jump scares. More than I even realised before. I think looking at so it basic. with a critical eye. Yeah. Um... It's, it's horror for basics. You see all the the faults. Yeah. And what was just very lazy filmmaking. Yeah. Very lazy filmmaking. Well, we don't have an awful lot of time left, but we're going to do our final segment, which is a uh, the best and worst of the month, where we're going to tell you our favourite and least favourite new films that have been released this month. Both got the same. Normally, we, I mean, hopefully for now on we do it separately. We might end up having the same every month. Who knows? This month, our best film of the month is 1917. Mm-hmm. Uh, a masterclass in filmmaking. A milestone in filmmaking, by all accounts. It's phenomenal. Yeah, um, fantastic. Fantastic filmmaking. Edgy seats. Yeah. Tense. Uh, very emotional at points as well. Really, really just... Very well made. Yeah, really great filmmaking. And we haven't had a chance to watch The Turning yet, so our worst film of the month is still The Grudge. Yeah, like I was talking just then about lazy filmmaking. Yeah. This is filmmaking as it's lazy. Oh, God, it's so easy to compare these two films together, Nightmare on Street 2010 and The Grudge 2020. It's a basic film for basic bitches. Yeah. Because it really brings nothing new to the game. Um, it whitewashes a ghost, uh, a ghost, which is highly offensive, and it's just shit. It, yeah. it genuinely is basic as fuck and insulting to the audiences. Yeah. Um, yeah, just really, really shite. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah. <laughs> um, don't watch it. Uh, I don't know what's gonna be. Uh, our low of the month next month but it, I can guarantee it probably won't be as bad as The Grudge yeah it, it, it's a hard that's set the bar follow. that's set the bar really low for the rest of the a year hard to follow definitely but that's it so if you're listening on iTunes don't forget to rate, review and subscribe SoundCloud everything else uh, subscribe and follow uh, subscribe and follow follow and like even um we're on social media, Horror Court Trash over on Instagram and Facebook, Horror Court Trash on Twitter. I'm Gazmo205 on Instagram, GazCruise92 on Twitter, DelightGaz92 on Letterboxd. I'm Chris Barker823 on Letterboxd, Instagram and Twitter. And we will be back on Tuesday with our first Valentine's episode where we'll be talking about Valentine. Yeah. From the 90s. So, thank you for listening, and we will see you on Tuesday. Bye.